How do you create, develop, and cultivate leadership in your organization? Imagine what can happen when you have mission-minded leaders and enthusiastic team members who believe they can build business as a force for good. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lipper, the CEO at LCI Industries, and I welcome you to this edition of Built to Lead podcast. We are delighted to share the real-life experiences of others who have courageously stepped into the power of creating a culture that feels like family, a culture where every team member has a deep sense of purpose. Take what you hear today and be inspired to build a culture of caring, giving, and leading in your organization. Amazing things happen when you place people at the core of what you do every day. Welcome to this edition of Built to Lead. Hello and welcome back. This is Edgar Cabello with Built to Lead, the podcast of Lippert. And today's episode is going to be a little bit different at a recent leadership event sponsored by the Academy for Leadership here at Lippert. I had an opportunity to speak with some really fantastic leaders that we otherwise would not have been able to get access to in a live setup. So um, today I'm going to offer some excerpts from two individuals that, that definitely share a connection point. And, and that connection is with Ken Blanchard. Many of us know him through the number of best-selling books that he's written, including One Minute Manager, um, Raving Fans. He actually has a new book out that Michelle, who works very closely with Ken Blanchard, will talk about here uh, towards the end of this particular broadcast. But first up today, I'm gonna, I'd like to introduce to you Gary Ridge. I had a chance to speak with him. And like I said, we're just pulling excerpts from that talk with him. And as he speaks to us, um, you're gonna hear some about people who have played a critical role in mentoring him. You're gonna hear a little bit about the WD-40 company. He is currently the outgoing CEO of the WD-40 company. I think you probably know what WD-40 is is. I'm not a real hands-on kind of fix-it guy, but I certainly know what WD-40 is. Anyways, we're going to hear from Gary Ridge, uh, and I think you'll be delighted to kind of hear his take on leadership. So um, he's going to be first up, and then we're going to go to Michelle right on the right on the heels of, of Gary. So anyways, enjoy these excerpts from my chat with Gary Ridge, the CEO, the outgoing CEO of the WD-40 company. Today, as part of our Purpose Summit family, I'm Privileged to have with me uh, Gary Ridge, the CEO of the WD-40 company. And yeah, you got that right. You've got some in your home. It's a WD-40 company. And Gary gave quite the talk here at the summit. And I am, I'm just so happy to be able to grab some time with you, Gary. So welcome. I'm glad you could join me today. G'day, Ed. It's great to be with you. Thanks. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your own journey, how you got to be the CEO of WD-40. Give us a little bit of background about you. Yeah, thanks. So I was born in Sydney, Australia, as some of you might get from my accent. I, I kind of picked up on that. Yeah. And um, I was fortunate enough to join WD-40 in 1987. I worked for the distributor of WD-40 before that. And I got a phone call one day from the uh, then CEO of the company. And he said, Gary, this is a confidential conversation. We're thinking about opening a subsidiary in Australia to help us build out our international business. We've met you a few times. Uh, would you like to join the company? And I said, wow, that's pretty interesting. Interestingly enough, Edgar, my dad was an engineer. He worked for the same company for 50 years from when he was 15 to when he retired at 65. He was born in 1907. And I remember saying to my dad, hey, dad, WD-40 want me to go work for him. What do you think about that? And he said, you can't go wrong with that stuff. So, <laughs> so listen to your dad. 
So I joined in 87, worked in Sydney and, and most of Asia through to 1994. In 1994, I was having another conversation with the same guy who was my boss. And I said, hey, Jerry, is there anything else you'd like me to do? And he said, funny you should ask, you want to move to the US? So I said, to do what? And he said, well, you know, we are really serious about taking the blue and yellow can with a little red top to the world. You seem to have a passion for that. Why don't you come over and help me? And I said, well, that sounds like a pretty good idea. So uh, that was the ultimate disrupt yourself. We packed up our toys and we moved to San Diego. And then three years later, he retired. Mm. And for some silly reason, the board of directors of a public company, because we're a public company, thought that this guy from Australia might be the one to lead us. I'd never been to Wall Street. Okay. And I didn't understand that. But uh, I did have a dream to take mm. the blue and yellow can to the world. And we started and... Now we have that can in 176 countries around the world. The sun never sets on WD-40. Uh, it's shining on it somewhere. And uh, But the, the, the thing that I'm, I'm most proud of, yeah. Edgar, is we built a culture where imagine a place where you go to work every day. You make a contribution to something bigger than yourself. You learn something new. You're protected and set free by a compelling set of values. And you go home happy. Mm. Happy people create happy families. Mm -hmm. Happy families create a happy community. Happy communities create a happy world. And I don't think there's anyone listening to us today who doesn't agree with the fact that we now need a happy world. Absolutely. So business is the power to change. That is, you know, so we've talking uh, during this time together about business being a force for good. You've been doing that for a long time, it sounds like. Um, I, and, I, I, you know, I love that you framed it like the thing that you're most proud of because I was actually that was on my list of questions to ask you tell us a little bit about your value system at WD40 and how you um, demonstrate communicate that to all of the people that are part of the family and, and start with how many people are we talking about just over 600 globally and uh, we call ourselves a tribe not a team because one of the things that people want in life is to belong yeah and if you think about Maslow's hierarchy to self-actualization the first two rungs of that most companies provide you know that's survival and security but belonging is so important. So if you're a WD-40 tribe member, we care about you, we're candid with you, we hold you accountable, we expect you to be responsible. But more importantly, if you ask us what business we're in, this is gonna floor you, we're in the memories business. Mm. Our purpose is to create positive, lasting memories, solving problems in factories, homes, and workshops around the world. Whether you're a tribe member at WD-40, at work or at home, or whether you're using our product at work or at home in one of the 176 countries where you find the blue and yellow can with the little red top. As soon as we sat down, I thought about my sliding glass doors. And I thought about, you know what, I had actually tried a couple of things there. I was tightening, untightening, refastening, doing all kinds of things. Then I finally went for that blue and yellow can with the red top, put a little bit down in the grooves, magic, gone. You know, WD-40 is a very honest product that does what it says it's going to do, and it makes yeah. heroes of people. You know, I'll be traveling around a little more now than I used to because of COVID, but, you know, I'll sit on a plane and someone will say to me, what do you do? And I say, I'm in the memories business. I say, do you work for Disney? <laughs> no, I say, I work for WD-40, and it immediately comes out of their mouth. WD-40, I remember when. I remember when. And at the conference we've been to, you know, after speaking yesterday, I don't know how many people have either come up to me 
or even emailed me or LinkedIn messaging me, telling them about their memory of WD-40 with their granddad working on the farm, funny stories about, you know, things that have happened. And, and it's again, it, you know, at the end of the day, again, everything that we have goes back in the box. Yeah. The only thing that survives is the memories. Yeah. And, and life's a gift. We've got to set, we've got to unwrap that gift. And we unwrap it with memories. It's, it's, it's so simple, but it's brilliant all at the same time, Gary. You have obviously had some people that have invested in your life along the way. Um, we're all fruit of, of somebody else's labor. So tell me about that exchange of like just investment in people. Have you had people that have mentored you, that have coached you forward? And, oh. and what does that mean to you? And, and what do you do with that? Well, you know, I'm consciously incompetent and probably wrong and roughly right at most things. Just after I uh, was given the privilege to lead WD-40 company, I looked around to try and remove the fear that I had. I was scared. I didn't know how to do it. And I went back to school. I went to the University of San Diego and I did a master's degree in leadership. And that's where I met my mentor and now my dear, dear friend, Ken Blanchard. In fact, Ken and I wrote a book together um, after that. Uh, called Helping People Win at Work. Don't mark my paper, help me get an A. And Ken is now 83 years old. Most Wednesday afternoons when I'm in San Diego, we play golf, nine holes of golf together. He has been, without doubt, um, one of the most impactful mm-hmm. people in my life as a mentor. Uh, I love his servant leadership philosophy. Mm-hmm. We're here to serve. So I've been very fortunate to have people like him and others like Marshall Goldsmith, uh, Simon Sinek in later years. And then as I was growing up, my dad, you know, my dad told me one thing, you know, Gary, it's a fair day's work for a fair day's pay and, you know, keep your commitments. A man's word is a man's bond. My mum was an adventurer. She lived till she was 99 years and nine months old. And she just said to me many, many times, you know, you're just a normal person. Uh, don't ever you know, get up on your high horse. Mm-hmm. In Australia, we have a thing called the tall poppy syndrome. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're in Australia and, and you become bigger than you should be, you get cut down. <laughs> um, it was a bit like that. And then, you know, in younger days when I worked in a hardware store, I worked delivering milk, I worked in a sporting goods store, I worked in a dry cleaners, all of those people mm-hmm. taught me something. And I didn't know they were teaching me that then. But when I look back, I realized what they were teaching me. And, you know, I've been CEO of WD-40 Company for 25 years. Oh, my. And in August, I'm stepping down as CEO. Um, I'm going to open my new page. And I am so excited now, having had the, the opportunity to learn all I have in the last 25 years, to be able to go out as the culture coach and talk to leaders of companies, whoever will listen to me, about how we can change the world mm-hmm. by creating cultures where, where people go home happy. And honestly, this isn't new news. Aristotle, who was born in 384 BC, said, pleasure in the job puts perfection in the work. Yeah, We've just been pretty slow at knowing yeah. that. I, I, I was talking to somebody just a little bit ago, and it, it just sounds like in, on so many different levels, we're almost attempting now, again, in a bit of a resurgence of leadership and culture to, to teach people how to be human again. <laughs> and, and I think we've uh, 
maybe separated business and people far too much. I hear, hear people using those phrases, yeah. the people side, the business side, and I'm, it's all the same side. It's all human, right? Yeah. You know, as much as we would have wished we had never gone through COVID, I believe it slapped leaders up the side of the head. Yes. There's a lot of talk about the great resignation. I call it the great escape. People are escaping toxic cultures. Now, fortunately, in organizations like Lipid, where you are at WD-40, you know, Barry Weinmiller, the Bob Chapman company, and others, mm. they're not toxic cultures. People want to come and belong. They want to make a contribution. They want to be valued. They want, you know, they, they want a family. They want to feel trust. They want, they want security and safety. But there's so many organizations that didn't pay attention to that. And people are saying, I'm not putting up with this anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm going somewhere where I'm appreciated. That's right. So I think that's more important than ever before. Absolutely. So what, what do you see going forward in terms of your, your, the next chapter uh, as a culture coach? I mean, what, what do you hope to see? I hope to see people listening to the fact that if we build great cultures, we can build a better world and business is the power to do that Absolutely. because we touch more people every day than anybody else. And honestly, we don't have the bureaucracy to yeah. slow us down. That's Government's right. not gonna do it. Mm -hmm. Churches aren't gonna do it. Mm -hmm. You know, that we've got to really get to people and show them how important they are because Bob Chapman says, everybody who walks into your organization is someone's precious child. I would say they're someone's precious child, auntie, uncle, father, brother, sister, mother, and we need to help them make their life meaningful by treating them well where they are and giving them you know, that, that drive of achievement and applauding them for it. Well, you've made my life better already. And I've known you for all about 15 minutes. So Gary, thank you so much for joining me today. I know you've got things to do, but thank you for the vision that you've had for WD-40. The very best to you in your next chapter as a culture coach, and we will be watching closely. Are you working on a book or anything at this point? Uh, my next book is, I've just signed for my next book, which will be probably called The Learning Moment. Okay. So I've already written one with Ken, and another one with my writing partner, Martha Finney, and uh, this other one uh, we're gonna start working on, which is gonna probably call the learning moment, although I would, I wanted to call it, even a dumbass can do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's so encouraging, isn't it? <laughs> I love that title. That's gotta at least be the subtitle. Yeah. Anyways, Gary, thank you so much for taking the time for being with us, and, and wow, what a beautiful message wisdom, a lot of grace, and and certainly even authority, and who leads at a very high level. And it was a great joy to be able to hang out with Gary for those few moments. Now I'd like to introduce you to Michelle Schoen, who works very closely with Ken Blanchard in the Blanchard Group, covering the eastern side of the United States. Michelle has become a friend over the last couple of years, and we're going to hear her take on things like trust, where they're spending a lot of their time and their developmental pieces as an organization helping other orgs to, to just lead better and with more confidence and building stronger teams and greater trust along the way. So she's going to speak to that. She's also going to speak to the role that Ken has played in her own development. So I think you'll enjoy some of the excerpts that we pulled from my talk with Michelle as well. My great pleasure to introduce you to Michelle Schoen. Today, talking to a fantastic friend that I met last year, and the last time I saw her was last year, but somehow it just feels like we're 
known each other for a while. It does. Doesn't it, though? It does. So we're at, we're at Purpose uh, Summit right now at Notre Dame Stadium in South Bend, Indiana, and we've just got this really amazing collection of people that are at our fingertips right now. So I'm trying to grab as many as I possibly can, and I was not going to let Michelle get away. So um, again, welcome to the podcast. This is Michelle Schoen with the Ken Blanchard Group. And Michelle, from your profile, it looks like you're the Director of Channel Solutions with, with Blanchard Group. I am. So tell us a little bit about that. What's that all about? Oh, so not only um, do I get to work for Blanchard, if you've met Kim Blanchard, have you met Kim Blanchard? I've not met him in person. He, I remember he he showed up via a video feed last year. He did. He did. So most people know him as being a best-selling author. Yep. But Blanchard actually does all kinds of leadership training and development, both all from a digital to virtual to face-to-face -face format. And my role is unique at Blanchard in that we're mostly a direct sales organization, so trying to impact people through really helping managers have better conversations. And we go into companies, right, and find out what their needs are and meet them. My role, though, is I serve the entire eastern side of the U.S. Okay. for independent contractors, consulting firms, colleges and universities, anyone who really knows that they need solutions out there to really help impact their clients and impact their people. I get to support them. Absolutely. So I think I have one of the best jobs in the company. It kind of sounds like it. So like what what are, and, and maybe we'll talk about this as we move the conversation moves forward, but like when you talk about solutions, what are people looking for right now? Um, one of the biggest things that people are looking for is empowerment mm -hmm. from like a self-leadership perspective. There are a lot with so many changes going on and people leaving and going to new jobs and people staying mm -hmm. in places, yeah. trying to figure out how do we help individual contributors and people lead themselves more proactively? So that's one thing that's coming up. Another really big one is around building trust. Hmm. Trust has been broken yeah. in a lot of organizations yeah. over the last couple of years. And it shows up as turnover. Yeah. It shows up as people not having honest conversations. Mm -hmm. It shows up as people making mistakes and not turning around and asking for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Simple things, yeah. right, that happen in everyday life, yeah. but they're happening in business all the time. The relationship and, so, and business killers. Yes, relationship and business killers. And then just also um, really how to have better conversations and not just conversations that are surface, right, about what goals are taking place, but how are we helping one another navigate the world that we're in right now mm -hmm. and so they're trying to figure out how do we help managers mm -hmm. lead in this new virtual world right. this hybrid world with a whole bunch of uncertainty that still exists indeed i appreciate that so much and just to backpedal a little bit so if, if people don't have an understanding fully yet of who ken blanchard is they might recognize one minute manager what are some of the other works that he is mostly known for absolutely so one minute manager <clears throat> raving fans mm -hmm. how people helping people win at work he's got 65 best-selling books okay <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to give the full no list, we but... won't but i um <clears throat> i will say what i love about ken's work his most recent one is 52 simple truths mm -hmm. and it's all about trust okay so wow. that was just released this year i'm right now i'm sorry yeah I you just, need I to i didn't even know anything about that one okay um and 
his formats are parable or very simple. They, I often say they can be read on a two hour plane flight. Um, and because it's a lot of common sense, it is books that you walk away from and you can remember. This newest book I love because it really takes, you could take one each week of the year, yeah. two pages long like and it. focus on what's important. Yep. Yeah. When you can just kind of slow drip all year long. Huh? Exactly. I love that. That's fantastic. How did you get into the work that you're doing right now? And I mean, here we are, we've kind of connected. I, I when, when I think about Purpose Summit and the kind of people that are here, we're all rallying around this idea of, you know, putting purpose back to work and bringing purpose back, back to work and so on and so forth. Um, lots of different metaphors that we use, but we're circling around this idea of purpose. How does that fit into the how you've been spending um, your days in your career in the work that you're doing? Mm, that's a really good question. And I will tell you, Edgar, I'm not that person that can tell you a purpose statement for myself yet. Because I think that it's about being present every single day and mm -hmm. determining what my purpose is that day. But I can tell you that I've come to the work that I'm doing now because I love people. Yeah. And it started way back when, right? I think as a little girl, I loved people. I felt like if I walked into a room, I wanted people to be happier when I left the room. Mm -hmm. And went and studied some psychology in college and then went on to like sales roles. Okay. And But when I looked back through various different parts of my life, there were those critical moments where I went, what is it that I really enjoy doing? It was developing people. Mm -hmm. It was helping people get better. Mm -hmm. It was helping people understand that there are tools, that there are resources, that are skills that can be developed and that we don't have to stay the same way that we are today. We can keep improving for tomorrow. I've been really lucky to really fall into different positions and have people care about me. Mm -hmm and look at my talents and strengths and help me align and get closer to what my mission is. Well, I, so much of this starts for, for many of us in our childhood or our, you know, those developmental years. I know for me, I could track this back to teenage years, um, but I, I love what you're saying. You can certainly check that box though, just so you know, like you want people to be happy when you leave the room, you've done that for sure. <laughs> I see that good, good. just in, in really dynamic ways, but um, so as you as you've been kind of walking through this course um, and helping people, I, I mean, I'm hearing so there's the heart message, mm -hmm. and I'm like you, I don't necessarily have a purpose statement. All I knew, same thing. I I just want to be part of people taking their next steps forward, you know, yes. I, in some way, shape, or form. That's kind of how I express care. That's how I express all those kinds of things. So it sounds like we're similar in that regard. But there's an execution piece too, right? I mean, you've got to make something happen. Right, absolutely. So talk about that a little bit, right? So, I mean, it starts from a good place. We, we want to see growth and so forth. But, I mean, when you talk about solutions, now we're getting pretty pragmatic. We are, we are. And, you know, I've, I've actually been pondering this quite a bit, being at this phenomenal summit where we are hearing from all of these speakers that are inspiring, mm -hmm. that are challenging from a strategy perspective, looking at how to take care of people. Why I really appreciate what I do is I provide tools mm -hmm. in very, very applicable ways to make people be able to do this. Mm -hmm. Blanchard is built very much on servant leadership. 
and that whole concept that you are either being served or you're serving others. And we hear a lot of these messages over the last few days, and we talk about purpose, but it's kind of arbitrary, right? Each one of us defines it differently. Absolutely. And so the programs that Blanchard has are really how to do it. Yeah. And I've, I woke up this morning thinking that exact same thing. One of the things we are most known for is SL2. It's a situational approach to leadership. Okay. And what that really does is help increase the quality and conversations that are taking place in the workplace. And it gives framework to that. And that's what's needed on Mm. goal conversations. Agreed. (laughs) That's what's needed to help move people forward. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to have the conversation you also like the building trust. Yes. Trust is broken. No one wakes up in the morning and thinks, I want to lie or I want to break trust. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of ways that it happens mm-hmm. in the workplace. Yeah. And what we do is put definitions to it. Okay. We put behaviors behind it. Mm-hmm. So you can actually start to see, okay, why might me showing up for a meeting late constantly end up making people see that I'm not dependable. Right. And dependability is a huge part of trust. And so we break it down and people need those tools in the workplace to be able to navigate all of the changes that are happening. I love that. And and, I mean, so I think this is a great place to kind of hang out for a little bit because I I hear the same thing you do. You know, I mean, I, I do this kind of work every single day and it really is built. I, the two things that you that have emerged, I guess, in my mind from hearing you talk just a moment has been the trust thing, for sure. It's a big deal. It's one of our core values at Lippert. So team play with trust. We spend a lot of time talking about that, building it. But I don't know how pragmatic we've been in terms of like helping people take steps to it. So I'm intrigued by what you're saying. And then the second thing is just like having the conversation, the honest, difficult, candid conversation always comes up. And I get I get requests from team leaders all the time that just say like, can you do something for us to help either conflict resolution or how to have the tough conversation? That's the hot, that's top of the list. And and so, I I mean, those are real things. So let's go back to the idea of trust because I think they're, those two things are certainly connected, but help uh, our listeners help me (laughs) just kind of know, like, what are some of those working pieces about, about building trust? And, you know, when I, when I hear you say, you know, ways that it's that it's broken, showing up late for a meeting, you know, I think Lencioni talks about that in terms of, you know, predictive trust. Like, mm-hmm. w- what do we know you're going to do all the time? Like, how, you know, by you show up this way or you're on time or whatever. I'm just curious if you can't poke in on that a little bit for us. I sure will. So, uh, to me, this has helped me tremendously. I will. I'll, I'll circle back to that dependability part okay. for a second. We really see four different parts to building trust. Are you able? So have you proven yourself? Are you someone that follows and demonstrates the behaviors for people? Are you believable? Mm. Right? Do you do what you say that you're going to do? Do you follow up well with people? A big one that people forget is, are you connected? Mm. Do you take the time to ask people the personal questions? Do you know people on your team? Are you someone that is willing to be vulnerable and connect with other people during meetings on topics that you might not be that familiar with? 
And then the dependability part. Wow. I love the story from Ken Blanchard, if mm -hmm. you don't mind me sharing. You know, he travels all the time. And this is, if you can tell, the able, believable, connected, and dependable is the ABCD model. Got it. Again, the simplicity that yeah. we follow so that you yeah. can Thank easily you remember that, these the things. <laughs> yes, you can easily remember that. But dependability, he often shares that we have an assessment on this. So you actually get some feedback about how wow. you do on each one of those areas. And Ken's one of the most trustworthy people that I've ever met. But when he has done that before, it comes back low on dependability, or it did for a period of time, because he's also someone that is so outgoing and cares so much about connecting. I can relate to that, mm -hmm. that he sometimes makes promises he can't keep. Yep. So he'll be on airplanes and he'll meet people and he often makes the joke that he has a great conversation with someone and starts talking about a book that they're writing. And before they know it, that person's wanting to move to San Diego where he is. Uh, and he had to find ways that he would come back and give his card to people that he worked with so that they could follow up on the, some of these requests to help improve that dependability. Right. Because he didn't do it intentionally. Of course not. He, wanted, he wants to make as many connections as possible. Yep. And he moves on quickly from this one to that one to the next one and on down the line. Yeah, and I tend to do it too, Edgar. I don't know if you're Me this too. way, but I overcommit. I yeah. I, I overcommit and then I end up not realizing the damage that that can end up doing in mm -hmm. a relationship. But once you actually, once I took this assessment years ago, I realized, okay, on the connected side, I'm off the charts. I don't need to worry about that and think about yeah. that. That comes naturally. Nobody's worried about you in that regard. <laughs> but the others I really need to focus on. Yeah. And, it, and it really helps. Um, I'll add one more thing. Depending on your personality type, um, when you start utilizing good tools like those that might be familiar with DISC or MBTI and you know your kind of natural nature and the way you show up, mm -hmm. The ABCD model really helps in that way too. Okay. It just helps you say, where might I need to spend a little bit more time sure. to build trust? Yeah, I love that. That's really great. This episode of Lippert Built to Lead podcast is brought to you by the Lippert Academy for Leadership, the team committed to enhancing your organization's leadership and cultural goals with strategic leadership development programs, on-site training, executive coaching, speaking engagement, and customized solutions. Find out how to get your organization involved at www.lci1.com backslash academy or send us a message at academy at lci1.com. That's academy at lci1.com. I know you work very closely with Ken. Tell us a little bit about that relationship, like who he is to you in your development. Oh, wow. It's a really good question. And one that I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure for this podcast, I should say this or not, but I'm going to. I have often said that Ken displays so many of the traits of Jesus. He's incredibly humble. He's incredibly focused on other people and all kinds of other people, right? His mission really is to unleash the power and the potential of people out for the greater good. Mm -hmm. Very similar yeah. to what Lippert is trying to do. Absolutely. So when he started over 40 years ago, that was a full mission and he wanted to work with people that cared about that same thing. Mm -hmm. He wanted people to have fun at work. 
concepts, right? No kidding. Concepts 40 years ago, (laughs) which is really surprising. How can you have fun at work and still still be successful? But I would say Ken role models, right? He, you're amazed at the calmness, the way that he makes connections. You think that he wouldn't have time to be able to do that. And randomly, I will get a phone call from Ken checking in to see how Michelle Schoen is doing. Yeah. Or when I was going through a difficult situation in my life, something personal, getting a phone call or getting an email from him saying, I'm thinking about you. How are you? Do you need to talk? Mm-hmm. And this is coming from he he's our chief spiritual officer. Yeah. That's what he has set out to do is to really love people. Yeah. And and he's tried to then create ways that it's actionable for people. Yeah. How do you put love into action? Right. I would say is one of the biggest things that I see Ken do. Sure. Putting love into action all the time. And right. that love is that word that we don't always use right. in the workplace. And I just think that there's a real need to use it more. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate that. And, and you know, I, I guess I kind of use this idea that, you know, words are just containers. So whether it's love or care or kindness, I, I think the real the real challenge is like, how do we express that? Like, what am I going to do? If I say, I really love you as a friend, mm-hmm. what does that mean? Like, what am I going to do? How, what's the expression of that? If I care for you, like what, what's my expression for that? And, and we do, and we're challenged by that all the time. You know, we have some pretty simple and basic core values and people are like, well, I do care about people. And I'm like, well, we just need to figure out then how we get the word out. <laughs> Yeah, and how we behavioralize it. Absolutely. To me, that is what we're talking about when we talk about, you know, words like love and trust, mm-hmm. right? We, we already started with that conversation, but what do those words look like in action? Yes. To me, it's listening, right? It's being able to show gratitude. It is being able to give feedback to someone not because they did something wrong, but because you care enough about them that you want to help develop them, or you understand that the end product for the clients that you're serving could make a bigger impact and that that feedback can really help the end goal be that much stronger. It's those simple things that we take for granted that we don't talk about enough. That's right. Yeah, we we, we use these because you should know what I mean when I say I love you, I care about you, I trust you, you should know. And it's just like, well, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't actually know what you mean by that. So I, I think we, you know, I, I love the um, the way that you and your colleagues from Blanchard are really making things happen and the tools that you're offering. And I, I, I think, and I appreciate your humility, but I can't imagine how many different people you're helping, how many different organizations you're helping take steps forward. But um, for all of that, Michelle, we're just so grateful. I mean, what would you say, I guess, as we're just to kind of bring this conversation to close, like what what would you say to somebody who's exploring the kind of work that you do? Like, I just want to help people. I want to, what, what would you encourage somebody to do? If that's like really, really, really part of what, you know, some people call it their calling or that this is what I've been designed to do, I think. Like, how does somebody start to pursue the kind of work that maybe, you know, you've gotten to spend um, time in uh, in your career? Is it wrong to say do something? <laughs> you know, I uh, 
So in my in my work, that's how I got to this place. I, I a lot of magical things happened, right? But I started really following my path in terms of what are talents, or skills, or gifts mm-hmm. that I have been given, mm-hmm. and where do I find innate joy? Mm-hmm. So making some really difficult decisions in my life, in my career of deciding where I could probably be more successful financially, but deciding to go down a different path to follow my purpose. Sure. And making that choice and then that ending up being just as fruitful and because it was aligned. Mm -hmm. It was aligned with my own values. It was aligned with my own mission. The work that I do is... I, I look for needs, yeah. right? I, I mean, I know that that's really simple, but I look for needs and I want to be able to help people determine solutions, determine ways to get there. And that's what I get to do every day. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty simple, yeah. honestly. And it, it's a good reminder for me to do something, take that next yeah. first step because it becomes overwhelming a lot today yeah. about me reaching your overarching big goals or what the anxiety we have about the future. But the next person in front of you, you have the opportunity to be able to connect with, to yeah. be able to listen to, and to be able to do something yeah. that might change their life. Filling a need, pretty simple stuff. And, and I think I, I agree here at this, at this event, the Purpose Summit, you know, there's been a lot of noise made about Lippert, you know, and I mean, we're a big part of just putting the thing on. So that, that makes a little bit of sense. But last night I was at dinner, we were having a conversation about something similar in terms of like how we've made it work. And it's been pretty simple steps, honestly. It, it's, it's been pretty simple. We, you were part of that conversation. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and I, I, I think if there's a caution for all of us, it's just like, let's not think we're so good at this that there are not still needs out there. And, and I think that's a big part for us, you know, as a company, like we have to still understand there's so much unmet need within our own organization. Yes, we've had some success. Yes, we're, you know, we love the idea of showing the way for other people and other companies that want, that want to, you know, jump into their leadership and culture journey. But man, we still have a lot of work to do. And I, I think when we see that need and then we're willing to kind of step into that gap, I mean, that goes a long, long way. And I'm sure you see that every day. I do. And I guess... From that conversation last night, Edgar, it started, the Lipper journey started with paving gravel lots and people not stepping into pit holes, yeah, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Or potholes, right. Yeah. not pit holes. Yeah, yeah. Um, because there was that need and how do you make safety and how do you make people feel more comfortable? I, I think you're at something like this and you meet all of these amazing people that are really accomplished mm-hmm. and you can have that imposter syndrome and think, why am I here? Or what am I supposed to do? But it it literally is being able to fail, being able to listen to need, being able to look for solutions that are around that can help. And sometimes it's just about being able to be there with another human being and moving them forward and you never know what will happen in a conversation to end up impacting someone else's life and get them on a whole new trajectory. And that is what I think I've seen. I have seen wonderful speakers here. 
But I have seen story after story about one person having a conversation or showing up in an event or challenging someone's thinking that completely shifted and took them, made them take a different step to end up becoming more who they were supposed to be and them not ignoring it. That's fantastic. Michelle, I mean, we could probably talk for hours about this stuff. I mean, I know, I know we could. (laughs) Thank you for taking the time to talk to us. It's been so cool just getting to know you a little bit from time to time and um, for being part of the podcast. I mean, honestly, the, the, the reason we do this is so that people catch wind of the idea that like, this is doable. Like to see shift and change and transformation, it's doable. It was just such a cool opportunity. The Purpose Summit was such a fantastic event to be able to gather leaders from across industry to have dynamic conversations about how culture and leadership development is happening in their organization. So what a great pleasure to speak to Michelle and earlier on to Gary. I sure hope you've enjoyed this episode and their take on things that really matter to us. And and for our sake here, if there's ever anything that we can do to come alongside you on your leadership and culture development journey, please contact us. Reach out at academy at lci1.com. That's academy at lci1.com. And we would be happy to take some steps forward with you, tell you a little bit about what we do and how we do it, and start a, a conversation that will help get you going on your leadership development and culture journey. Thank you so much for joining me today. We'll see you next time on Built to Lead. Thanks for listening to today's Built to Lead episode. If you have a story to share or are interested in learning how you can be a business as a force for good, please visit us at www.lci1.com backslash academy. And please follow Lippert on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, and Twitter. Thank you. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the view or mission of Lippert Components Incorporated.